Have you ever wondered what it would take to turn your dream life into your real life? If you have a dream, a calling, or a passion that's burning inside you, you know there's always a gap. The distance between where you are and where you want to be. And sometimes that distance is insurmountable. Thankfully, you're not alone. You've got friends, family, and a crowd full of seen and unseen supporters cheering you on. I'm one of them. My podcast, Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper, are conversations with real people who face discrimination, heartbreak, insensitive comments, and sometimes found themselves wondering if closing the gap is really possible. Each person has generously shared their lessons on how they navigate life's trials to enjoy the triumphs it has to offer. They share years of experience so that you, too, can turn your dream into real life. Good morning. I am so happy to be on the line with Kimberly Archie. She is one of the people in my circle who's helping other individuals understand resilience and the work that she's done on resilience as well as the work that she's currently doing in the in the area of equity and inclusion is just groundbreaking and profound. As we move forward as human beings and as a society and into this 21st century, I think exploring different ideas and different perspectives on what inclusion really means and how we bring to our workplaces, to the, the life that we want to leave, a certain portion of ourselves. And, and life is just filled with opportunities in which things go right, things go wrong. But as the old saying goes, it's not how you fall down, it's how you get up. It's important that we understand and kind of peel back, and I'm so honored to have this opportunity to look at peeling back the onion around how people get up, keep going, and why some people do and some people don't. So I hope the listeners on this particular podcast, you'll glean of one or two things from it that will give you the insights that as you achieve and rise to excellence, you're going to have an opportunity to know how to stay in the game and to stay fresh in the game. And with that, I want to introduce my guest today, who's Kimberly Archie. How you doing, Kimberly? I'm doing great, Denise. Thank you. Good, good. So, you know, I'm, I, I can say a lot of stuff, and most everybody will have read your bio. It's on the website in the description of this. But what do you want people to know about you? What I want people to know is that I have been a speaker and a practitioner of just living life to the fullest and trying to better myself over time and very much interested and passionate about helping others better themselves. So for me, it's all about growth and development through the entire lifespan. Okay. Now, okay, now how so are you translating I... that on an everyday level? I mean, you're now at a different level. You're doing far greater work than, than social work may may have offered you. What is that about? Talk about the distinctions in that. Sure. So my current role is the Equity and Inclusion Manager for the City of Asheville in the state of North Carolina. And um, it's a new role. The the role was just created over the last year. And um, I started in the role last summer, so summer of 17, 2017. And uh, the role to me is very different than what most people think of in corporate America around diversity and inclusion um, as the equity and inclusion manager because I define diversity as all the ways we are different. 
right? So it could mm-hmm. be by race or ethnicity, home language, gender, LTBGQ. So, you know, there's lots of ways that we can be different. And diversity to me is identifying those differences, celebrating them, recognizing them, respecting them, and that's kind of the end of it, you know, or and making sure that we have an environment that is amenable to the diversity that we that we have in the workplace or in our lives. And so then inclusion is making sure that folks, no matter what their background is, no matter what box they check or deciding not to check a box, that they feel a part of whatever that is. So a, an organization, a company, a family, a community, that's how I kind of define inclusion. Mm-hmm. And the work that, that I do is different in that equity and specifically I lead with and, and folks who are like me that are, are doing this work across the country, a lot of us lead with racial equity because mm-hmm. we feel that racial equity is one of the hardest um, ideals or things to attain. And if we can use a particular framework to achieve racial equity, then those other areas of oppression and where there are disparities such as gender, uh, the differences in gender and ability, et cetera, we can use that same framework and use specific strategies to work on the other isms or areas of oppression if we can Mm -hmm. tackle racial equity first. And so how I define racial equity or equity, and the way I like to define it is to compare it to equality. So Mm -hmm. our country is based on the idea of equality. Equality to me is the same. So for us to be equal in receiving a meal or a pizza or whatever, we both get the exact same slices of that pizza. Uh, Another area of equality would be to look at the voting system for America. So when we first started, men, white men who were landowners had the privilege of voting. And then in 1920, women received the right to vote. So they were Mm -hmm. equal. They had that equal opportunity to vote. Mm -hmm. And then in the uh 1960s the civil rights act and voting act were passed and so then african american people of color were given the right to vote so they had equal opportunity to vote so the difference between so that's all sameness right we all got the same thing the opportunity or the right to vote for me though a good example is when women receive the right to vote a lot of women, it wasn't okay culturally for them to be educated. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing before Jim Crow laws in the early, uh, in the late 1800s uh, during Reconstruction, after slavery, black people also weren't able to be educated either. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're gonna if you're gonna give someone the right to vote, that makes them equal. That's an equal opportunity to vote. But if they can't read, mm-hmm. that does not create equity, mm-hmm. right? That does not create an opportunity for them to 
exercise that right to vote in the same way that wealthy white landowners had who could, you know, who of course could read. So mm-hmm. to to get to equity means to look at and analyze where people are, where people come from, where the disparities lie, why those disparities uh, exist, and then creating opportunities for folks to get over those disparities, those barriers to being equal, and it's through equity. So equity, you know, the kind of – when we think about it racially, that tends to charge people up um, and help them shut down in terms of their thinking. But the way you said it, I, I walk away or I think about equity looks like, you know, diversity to me, I say all the time, is you got invited to the party. Inclusion is when you got to the party, do you feel, did you participate and did you dance? Did you enjoy yourself when you were there? To be able to do that, if I hear you, if, or I'm listening correctly, or I understand your your thought process, when I get there, have I had lessons to dance to the music that's there? So if it's a should, if I should be doing a rumba or a Texas two-step, do I have the skills when I get there to be able to do either the rumba or the Texas two-step, depending on the kind of music and the kind of party that is there? Is that kind of what you're talking about? I would agree with that example because part of that inclusion piece of you're saying, did you enjoy being there? If you don't know the dance that goes with that song, right, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be as comfortable in the room. Mm -hmm. So that inclusion piece is definitely helping to create that environment where you can feel comfortable, feel included, feel involved, feel engaged. And equity definitely is understanding how you come to the party if you come prepared to really participate and engage. Yeah, and then translating that either in the work or in the community, it's the difference. My daughter has a hearing impairment. And I remember going to the school, we do IEPs, which is Individual Educational Plans, with her. And her English teacher had refused to wear the hearing amplifier. She had to wear an instrument around her neck and speak into a microphone so that my daughters could pick it up and be able to discern and comprehend what was being said there. And I remember Mm -hmm. her looking at my daughter and looking at us because she was failing her, and we were trying to figure out what's going on, and the itinerant was saying, you know, she can't hear, and she had all these wonderful demonstrations, such as she pulled a chainsaw and she said, my daughter can't hear. She she literally cannot hear this when she has her allergies kicking in. And the woman just said, well, she doesn't look deaf, so I don't really believe she's deaf. Now, after the parents and me settled down and I grew some more maturity around hearing people say that, in the workplace it often looks like and comes across as we hire people who have degrees because they look like they can do the work. And then they're not capable of executing the work in a good way, whereas we will discriminate or we will say, you know, because you don't have a degree, we're not even going to give you a chance to do it. And so that to me is is kind of an extension of what we're talking about. When you get to the party, can you dance? Whose responsibility is it to know how to either do the rumba or do the samba when they get to the dance? And that's often when I think about employment and and hiring managers, they have trouble 
negotiating that idea. What are your thoughts along that? I think it's systemically, I think it's the responsibility to make sure that folks can participate and be engaged. So if that means that I I come to the dance, I come to the workplace not knowing the steps that go to that particular music, that it's the employer, the hiring manager, the supervisor, whomever, it's their responsibility to get me to that place where I can dance as well as somebody who's been at the dance or been in employment at that particular location or whatever, that company, for a while. So I do believe that it's not the individual's deficit that needs to be changed, right? So we're not going to fix your daughter by, you know, making her here. So instead of fixing her, we need to fix the system. We need to fix our policies or our procedures or our practices so that your daughter can be fully engaged so that a new employee who may not have the same experience can be engaged so that people of color can have the opportunity to be engaged. Well, here's where I'm, I'm, I'm leading you to or pressing against is that anybody who shows up in the workplace really doesn't know how things are done there. Right? At that workplace, correct. At right. workplace. And it has culture. nothing to do yeah. with, exactly, it has nothing to really to do with diversity, however you define it. You know, uh, a white man shows up at a workplace, he doesn't, he does not know how things are done there. He knows how it was done in his previous place, but he doesn't know when mm-hmm. he gets there how it is. And so this idea of inclusion is really a mindset, if I understand your perspective, that equity is the mindset that you start with. We are unique in our workplaces. We are unique in our community. Everybody who comes here doesn't know how things work. And so that's kind of the level playing field that we all start with. Do we have processes, procedures, the way we think about people, opportunities for development and growth that allow everyone to learn how to um, maximize their ability to be excellent in this particular workforce, regardless of how they came in here or regardless of what they bring to the table? Is that is that right. kind of what you're talking about? That is kind of what I'm talking about, and that's an analysis that each and every employer needs to go through to ensure that they are being inclusive mm-hmm. and and equitable, which all is the foundation and supportive of of supporting sorry of supporting diversity. Mm-hmm. So you can't have because you'll have diverse people come in the front door of an organization or a company, and if the environment, the culture isn't for them, you don't help them feel comfortable or feel like they belong, they'll be out the back door before you know it. And it's regardless of of who they are. That could be the same experience of a white male or a majority person, just like it could be someone yeah. Exactly. Whatever their diversity, you know, however we want to couch diversity in that particular situation, yes, mm-hmm. I would agree mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and what, you know, the fancy word of the 21st century word is having a resilience, right? Correct. Do, right. Are people resilient and can they bounce back? And an important part of resilience is hope. The belief that if I do something different, then things will get better. 
it will change for me. And so the work as emotionally charged as the work of equity and inclusion is somewhere in there and maybe you know you're not as conscious about it as before because you've done and done work and for a couple of years you taught people who lost their jobs and at that moment of losing their job and it takes 12 months for them to find a job and one of the areas that you talked about in terms of the collaboration or working with other individuals, part of the, the challenge, I won't say it's a problem, but it certainly is a challenge, is that oftentimes it's easier to work with people who think like us. Well, who look and, like us and who act like us and who think like us. Well, yeah, yes, yes, I agree with what you're saying, but you know, having been, and, and I, I would imagine in your career you've been one of the only so only woman, only mm-hmm. minority in a particular area, at some point I had to think, why me and not somebody else? And I think part of it is is the ability. What I've noticed about interviewing people who have been in positions where they're the only is that they focus more, they focus a lot on your third point, which was the, the community and getting out and collaborating, networking, not being isolated. And so they create a way, they are comfortable creating and talking to people who don't look like them. Mm-hmm. And it is from working with and talking to people who don't look like them, don't think like them, that gets them to the point where they can be in a situation where physicality may be, you know, my race, my sex, my gender, my ability or disability, it doesn't become a problem. But if I can't navigate understanding and working with or at least understanding how they think, other people who are not like me, it makes it much more difficult for me to see different perspectives and to see how to create something new and better by being with those individuals, as well as how can I serve them equally or equitably? How do I even understand the nuance of equality versus equity Uh and be comfortable providing equity Instead of equality, because it's easy to stand on the on the case of well, I gave all y'all the same thing, and it's your right, responsibility now. The same. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's not your responsibility. But that does not take in. Are you really trying to help them be successful? Because mm-hmm. everybody comes from a different starting point. Even if you look like me, talk like me, and maybe been my neighbor down the street, we all come from a different place. And equity, as you defined it earlier, is really about being able to see what the person needs to be successful. What can I do to be in service of them so that they rise to excellence? And I provide that. Mm -hmm. As a group, because I'm a leader over a group, or as an individual in a group that I'm trying to be a coworker with, a teammate with, and help all of us be successful. And that's why... Diversity is still very important in the work that I do and other people do because as you were talking, you know, you were talking about that sameness factor that that people that think the same way or, and I added the act or look the same way, mm-hmm. that, that sameness, that's not diversity, right? That's mm-hmm. being homogeneous. Mm-hmm. We... If you're and if you're not raised in that or you don't get those experiences 
where you can, uh, where you have diversity um, kind of put in your face, mm-hmm. then it has to be learned at some mm-hmm. point to be mm-hmm. able to be successful or respectful of it and um, not necessarily accommodating, but definitely a part of making a diverse workforce. And so I, I go back to my upbringing, even though I was raised in Seattle, and it's a place where black people make up a very small percentage of the city, have always made up a small uh, percentage of the city. Um, my family didn't just keep me in a homogeneous environment. Mm-hmm. I was able to go to school with white children and children from different Asian countries and children from African countries and children from, you know, different Latinx countries. And I I talked about this in my interview for my current position, how my sixth grade teacher, Mr. Briscoe, was told by the school district or whomever that, um, that Hmong and Cambodian refugees were coming into Seattle at that time. Mm-hmm. And so we were going to, as students, we were going to share classrooms. And these, these were going to be new students in our, in our classroom community, our school community. And he did such a good job of preparing us on some of the social norms and mores of Cambodian and Hmong people so that we would not be disrespectful to them. I remember, right. you know, he even even the smallest thing of he taught us that it wasn't appropriate to touch Cambodian or Hmong people on their head. That was a sign of disrespect. And so in playing games, when, when there was recess, uh, playing games out mm-hmm. on the schoolyard, you know, that was something that we couldn't do. So if you were going to play tag, you couldn't touch them there. More, mm-hmm. It's more or less what he was trying to teach us. And mm-hmm. so even those kinds of examples, those kinds of experiences that I had as early as elementary school helped to form a person who appreciates and respects diversity and expects diversity in all my environments. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and you know, it's it's interesting because... What he did was he did the first principle of change management, and that was creating the invitation. How do mm-hmm. you how do you create an invitation so that when people show up, everyone understands and respects it? So, but going back to the dance of inclusion, the invitation mm-hmm. says, you know, this is a Latin American dance that we're hosting. So, and if you don't know how to, here's here's some things that you might want to know. And if you're here, right. we're, we're here to teach you how to dance. So be ready to exactly. come and dance. And we're here kind to support you while you learn to dance. Yes, yes. And making sure that the people who do know how to dance know that a piece of what they need to do is help support people who may not know how to dance as well. So, because that I was such agree. a beautiful example of these kids are going to come in here. They're not going to know, you know about us. Here's some things you ought to know about you. But I can also imagine that if he was thoughtful enough to inform you of what to expect, he did the same thing to those children who were Hmong and Cambodian so that they understood what party they were being invited to. Right. 
Kimberly, this I I uh, I know that we could continue on for probably another hour. I appreciate all of what you've shared with us and the listeners, and I hope that my listeners can glean one or two things that they can take to heart, and it'll help them to take one more step in their journey to be great leaders, but also to rise to excellence, because that's what we're doing. Your your point of it's about the community getting together to help provide feedback and help each other rise so that we all can get better. It's so important. It's part of resilience. It's part of equity and inclusion. It's about um, bringing humanity back to the workplace. So I really want to thank you. If people want to get in touch with you or they want to ask you more questions about your work that you're currently doing or some of the brilliant work that you did in Seattle, which we didn't even get a chance to talk about, how would they get in touch with you? So in my bio, I have my LinkedIn information. I'm Kimberly Archie, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-E, Archie on LinkedIn, and I invite all types of contact through LinkedIn. I would love to connect with people that way. I am available as a speaker, as a trainer, as well as the, you know, to talk about the work that I do currently and some of my past experiences that they can learn about on my LinkedIn profile. Great, 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 great. And, of course, in the description here, you'll have a chance to be linked directly to her via LinkedIn. And I encourage you to reach out. She's a, Kimberly is a very giving person, and she's very passionate about her vision and her passion in terms of helping other individuals rise. And and I do believe she's someone who who actually walks her talk. Is that is that it? <laughs> That's it. That's it. That is definitely it. Well, I I appreciate you reaching out and wanting to have further conversation and for the opportunity to share my passion and my perspective on the work that I do and the work that I feel like others could be doing as as far as serving as a leader. Thank you. And for all the listeners, you know that every week we drop a new discussion, and the point is of all of this is to just add richness to the conversations that you have in everyday life. I appreciate you. If you like this, pass it on to someone. If you don't like it, pass it on to someone. Because what you didn't like in it is probably something that's irritating you and asking you to look at yourself and change, and it may be doing something for someone else. I want to say goodbye to everyone, and thank you very much. All right? Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and took away a few tips that will close the gap between making your dream life your real life. If you enjoyed this podcast, pass it along. Leave a question or a comment below. It would mean the world to me if I could connect with you. So go out to my LinkedIn page, ask for a connection, or Twitter at Coach HR. And remember, answers are better than anger. Seek empowerment rather than the divisiveness, and the responsibility is yours to achieve the life that you really want to have. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.